Welcome back to Life Beyond Loss, the podcast, season four, episode five. This is a guest show where we share amazing and inspiring and uplifting stories of grief and how people navigated their grief journey through to healing and often transformation as well. I'm your host, Louise Kresic, grief and loss coach, and today I'm talking to a very dear friend, Elle Edwards, and she's a happiness coach. She's founder of the newly named Itchy Soul Playground, I love that, which is formerly the Faith and Happiness Playground, and I've got to say on this episode we just had so much fun and some giggles. There were some very unexpected events as well, so stay tuned to find out what that was. Now Elle shares the story of losing her baby at nine weeks, what this was like for her in terms of her inner faith and happiness. Um, And we talk more deeply as well about faith and hope and happiness in times of grief. And Elle shares a really useful insight and a tip at the end. So stay with us. Edwards. She's a happiness coach. She's also the founder of the Faith and Happiness Playground, which I am just really excited about because obviously (laughs) we've known each other for a while now. So I'm just really, really glad that you're here. I'm excited to be here, Louise. (laughs) Um, So yeah, why don't you just um, give us a little bit of an introduction then as well and just tell us all about, um, you know, faith and happiness and, and your business and what that means. (laughs) <laughs> like tell me all of the things whenever, yeah, people, <laughs> whenever people say that that reminds you of Silla Black what's your name and where did you come from <laughs> yeah which <laughs> your your international listeners of course be like Silla Black who on earth is she talking about but uh, yeah. anyway yeah no I see I always struggle with this introduction piece because I I started my online business in well I fell into the online world in 2010 when I founded a charity and went round in circles, circles for a long, long time. Find what's my thing? What's my thing? But actually, that was the that's the premise of how I've come up today with the way I do the happiness work. Because I spent a long time going around in circles, going, "What's my thing? What's my thing?" And eventually went, "Oh, do you know what? I give up. I'm just going to be myself." And that, "Oh, I'm just going to be myself." Piece was like the turning point because I maintain that ultimately the secret if there is one to happiness is to simply show up the person god made you to be quirks foibles eccentricities and all the rest of it and that's the the premise of you by design which is the uh, the framework behind the playground, if you like. Um, but I really, my mission is I want to help Christians be happier so they can go out there and be delightful, joyful examples of, of God's love in the world. That's the whole point of it, really, is less like to make people smile and make the world Aww. a better place. <laughs> so lovely. And I've like watched with absolute interest and just been sort of cheering you on from the sidelines over the last <laughs> last couple of years really because it, it has been like an evolution hasn't it for you like you absolutely say, yeah. you know and and bringing in all those strands because you are an absolute whiz with things like you know uh, mindset and like the kind of the geeky side of happiness mm. and what's going on in the brain but then also mm. you've got and, and like you've got the techniques to share with people but then also there's your faith which is very important to you and 
um, as you've described yourself, um, like as a Jesus geek over the last uh, six <laughs> yeah. to 12 months, which I love. Um, so it, feels, yeah. it really does feel like, you know, all of that is kind of has come together for you now, really. Absolutely. I mean, one the one piece that I have, literally, this is uh, this is like a bit of a an exclusive. Except it's not. I have emailed my email list. I also on the side wrote fiction. I started writing fiction in two thousand and fifteen, um, and just last week I I felt the nudge. God said, "Right, let the fiction go," um, because I was struggling to write emails every week to two different audiences effectively so that's the one strand. I've got one book actually, which is happiness and faith, but it's fiction. But otherwise all of the fiction, there's quite some rude words in there. Um, and it doesn't really tie in with it at all. That's the one piece I haven't got fitting in, but the rest of it, yeah. But that's how it should be though, isn't it? If, if, if I'm gonna walk my talk as it were and be the person I was made to be, then my business ought to bring in all of those pieces too, I guess. Yeah, I love that. I love that, you know, for me, it's just be about sort of knowing yourself well enough and feeling um, just that you're able to be true to yourself. And if that's mm. not the thing that's kind of guiding you or lighting the way anymore, then like you say, just to be able to, to let that go and just show up on social media and be completely honest about, you know, yeah. the, the journey really. And I guess it's a, li- a little bit like that with, with grief as well, because um, mm. I think it's so important for people to know that yes, we're coaches, we're professionals, and at the end of the day, we're human mm. as well. And we Absolutely. have to, you know, get through challenges and make yeah. decisions and mm. you know certainly with grief you know I still have my tough days and all of that yeah um so yeah it's been amazing to watch but that's part of the other side of it which it then it does tie into the playground is I'm is the mental health piece of it as well which isn't well it's not directly grief but it obviously ties into grief mm-hmm. as well you know because I think one of the because because yes I am about being yourself I also see that there are situations where people do have to filter themselves and then the flip of that then is social media where you know you only ever see what people choose to show you um and and how damaging that can be and I've got you know close family members who struggle with anxiety and so supporting them and seeing so part of what I also love to do is where it's appropriate is have those conversations you know depression you know there's nothing wrong with you you're not ill um you can get better and, and all that piece of it as well um, because in the church as well I mean you're not if you I actually have a Christian friend who's bipolar who got kicked out of a bible study online bible study because she told them she was bipolar I'm like are you real like that's just mental I mean no pun intended but like mm-hmm. that's 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 not fair because you know yeah it drives me crazy so that's the other part of it as well is just having those conversations and like you say showing up and and being um sometimes from a place of distance I imagine and I don't want to put words in your mouth but I imagine for you and, and like your story you couldn't have told this story straight away after you'd lost your parents mm. um you know so it, it's a balance but it, it's really fun um because I love making everything fun but no it is I think it's it yeah I, it's it's important and I love doing it and I feel privileged to be in the position to do this do you feel like um your I mean, like doing, having this fun element obviously comes very naturally to you. And I wonder if you sometimes feel like you're kind of going against the grain a little bit, maybe a little bit of a rebel um, in the kind of, you know, in the, in the church or within the religion. I'm just thinking about my own experience of grief as well. And because I, I am very much into, um, you know, pulling across grief in a way that isn't necessarily traditional. 
um, mm. and there's lots of colour on my social media, lots of fun, mm. lots of, and I'm, you know, I suppose that's the way I approach it. And I'm just wondered what your take is on that as well, because I don't know, I feel like a little bit of a rebel. <laughs> 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 but like I, but, you know it's about obviously you know showing up as yourself and the message yeah. that, that's authentic to you but yeah I just wondered it seems to me that you stand out in a very similar way yeah I mean I'd, I'd never thought of it like that but I also know that one of my biggest bugbears is like like we talk in in church circles we talk about the whole Jesus stories being the good news and yet there are far too many miserable Christians around and so part of my thing is I personally believe that actually you know because there's this thing in church stuff. I don't know if you've come across this. They, they we, we talk about happiness as being like, you know, of the world and joy is, is what's godly and biblical, which is absolute nonsense. I think, you know, God invented happiness. I think he's, he calls people to be happy. Um, and so I think, and for me personally, I mean, I, I'm not even kidding. If you'd have met me perhaps 10 years ago, I was an, a very, very different person. Um, angry a lot of the time, frustrated, um, probably with mild postnatal depression um and so, and that and that's all down to jesus and he sort of like i don't say he zapped me but part of my journey and that's a whole other story but um i hadn't thought of myself as a rebel but i do think it's important <laughs> to to do that work because i think it if it does stand out i wanted to stand out in a positive way because i think it's important because i think the more people who are out there i mean you've got to be true to yourself there are days when i'm when i'm really grumpy and I'll, I'll tell people that as well and people don't believe me but I know, but my kids call me out on it. Oh, mum, stop being grumpy. And I am grumpy sometimes, but what, but I pull myself out of it as well because I don't like sitting in it for very long. Um, and also there's the whole brain chemistry thing where my brain now automatically sees the silver linings, which is my top tip at the end. I'm going to teach you my three word hack. I know oh, you've probably heard brilliant. it from Louise, but, um, no, but yeah, it. no, I, I don't know if I'm a rebel, but if I am, I'm going to embrace it because that's quite fun. Yeah. So I see you myself with a motorbike now. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know if rebel is the right word. I suppose that's the word I use. That I, I don't know. It's just evokes that. That's just semantics. It. No, it's yeah. all just words, isn't it? It's all good. <laughs> but yeah, so you kind of um, just mentioned there a little bit about, um, or there was a little hint around postnatal <laughs> postnatal depression, and maybe that. And I know that um, you've mentioned to me in the past you've had some kind of experiences of loss in that area. So I wondered if you would be happy just to share a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, you know this, Louise, we talked about it before. One of my problems with coming on this podcast is I feel like a complete fraud because the only loss I've really had, other than our burglary two months ago, but that's just stuff and that doesn't count. The only loss I've really had is when I lost a baby. Um, But, and, because it's related, there was, and it ties in with the work I'm doing now, because I was as I was reflecting on this before we were speaking, I hadn't identified it until literally this week, but I... I'd had two children. Uh, we got pregnant with our third child. We were really excited, really happy. And at about nine weeks, I started bleeding, lost the baby. And I remember for a whole week, just crying. And then sitting in church one Sunday, playing my clarinet, because that's what I do, um, <laughs> and thinking, well, I've had enough of crying. I'm done now. And I just decided and stopped. And I wasn't doing the happiness work then, but I was reflecting earlier on on the fact that actually, that was my first, I think, introduction to the way that our brains are wired that we can I'm not saying it's easy like and, I, and it's I want to add the caveat that losing a baby at nine weeks when you've already got two children for example is a completely d- different proposition to losing a child who you know of a, it's a different thing that said 
it is all, you know, it, it's, it's part of it as well. This, this introduction to this idea that actually we have got a choice. Uh, maybe not straight away. Like if someone had come into the room and I, like they admitted me to hospital because I was bleeding too much. I remember hearing this doctor on the phone saying, oh yeah, if you don't admit her, she might die. I'm like, oh great, thanks. You know, I'm sitting here, like, thanks very much. Um, but if you'd have told me right then in that moment, oh, don't worry, in a week from now, you're going to have a choice and it's going to be okay. I'd have smacked you. So I know that as I yeah. say this, there might be people listening who go, look, Elle, you don't understand. And I, and I acknowledge that, that I don't understand because I haven't lost parents. Um, but, but it was my first ever introduction really to this idea that our minds are incredibly powerful, more powerful than I think I'd ever given it credit for un until then. That's the interesting thing about loss though, isn't it? Because every single one of us has a completely unique experience as far as mm. I'm concerned. We've all got, you know, a different set of circumstances and yeah. a different, you know, how we approach things and deal with the world in general will impact on yeah. how we deal with our grief. And I think mm. that there are no two kind of, you know, I guess there are, you know, people out there that, you know, might feel that, okay, Louise, you understand me. I've lost my parents. You know what that kind of is like. But then again, yeah. like the circumstances will be very different from how somebody else might lose, you know, their parents. Yeah. And I'm, you know, like you say, I don't know what it is necessary to lose a spouse or a partner or, you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I completely get what you're saying. I think that um, it's really interesting, though, what you say about how that's prompted you to reflect on your yeah. kind of introduction to I guess yeah um, and I didn't see it like that at yeah. the time but as you're talking it reminds me as well the word that I like for that is empathy because I lost that baby before my sister I'm, I'm the eldest of six children and my my sister the next one down after I lost that baby and I should also add as well the month after the doctors told us you have to wait three months and me and my husband went eh, forget it the month after I caught with my son and that obviously made a difference as well because you know we were anxious but it, you know having the promise of new lives helped but within about a month possibly two months of me losing the baby my sister had her first loss of a child a miscarriage she went on to have I think three or four miscarriages and it gave me a different empathy which I wouldn't have had if I hadn't gone through it myself and you're quite right the experience was completely different because she had one after another after another and she didn't have any children at the time she's now made up for it she's got four <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, but still I think that empathy piece you're right it's very it's different for each person and at the same time when you talk to people who've been through similar things I think it can be incredibly helpful um, because because they give you a different understanding as yeah, well definitely and I'm really interested to know um, at that time as well, whether your um, your faith in God, whether that kind of helped you in any way to kind of, you know, the process. And also, I guess, within the church, there must be a community as well, um, mm. uh, kind of, a, I'm assuming, I'm making that assumption, but uh, <laughs> a, a, assumption. A, community, a community that, you know, where people are a little bit closer and able to kind of help and support each other out, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think it works both ways. The church I go to is tiny. So it is, every, everybody knows each other really closely, but mm. at the same time, everybody knows each other's business as well. <laughs> so there's, there's nowhere yeah. to hide. And you know, like sometimes you actually just don't want anyone to talk to you. You just want to yeah. be left alone. Um, you, there, you can't do that. You know, you have to put on a sort of happy face or not put up a happy face. But um, in terms of where I was at with my faith, as you were asking the question, I was trying to work out the, the time frame of it because I quite often will tell 
tell you, I mean, I grew up in a Christian family. My mum and dad went to church. They're Christians. I grew up surrounded by faith. I prayed the prayer when I was 12. There was a staunch Welsh preacher in this youth meeting. Have you prayed the prayer? Do you know where you're going to go if you die? Really full on hellfire and brimstone, which I really don't like. I went, oh my gosh, no, I haven't. So when I was 12, I prayed the prayer and I was baptized and all the rest of it. And then because I had no real relationship with God, I wasn't really had this sense of love. I stopped talking to him. I married my husband who atheist agnostic didn't go to church I started going to church again when my eldest daughter was born my husband works shifts he's a policeman so when I was about 24 25 I started going back to church for a bit of company really because my parents were going um and then God sort of did his thing I actually I did a, a bible weight loss course but I can't remember if it was before or after Michael which is my youngest but around so so I guess the short answer is yes and no I did have my faith but I didn't it was different to what it is now um, now I, I say I got scared at hell when I was 12, loved into heaven when I was perhaps 25, 26. Um, and my relationship with God now is completely different to what it was when I was a teenager. Um, like chalk and cheese, you know, it's, it's one based on unconditional love, which is what it should be. But it, you know, as opposed to what I grew up with, you know, all the shoulds, you should do this and you should do that. And yeah, but so yeah, my faith was there. I don't know how much of a support it was to me. I'll be honest. I'm also really interested. What the heck is a Bible weight loss? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Tell, me, tell me more. Okay. So, I, I mean, I've, I've always been a curvy girl. My mum is a feeder. She's brilliant at cooking, right? So I've always been curvy. Um, and so after Caitlin, my, my middle daughter, for example, I did weight weight watchers slimming world or whatever but anyway tried all of the things done all the exercises never really managed to do anything with it and then i happened to google and there's this course i don't know if it's still around it's called setting captives free which kind of sets the tone this actual organization is i don't know how much you know about the denominations but they're calvinists so they're quite full on that they believe that only a select few of people who are predestined to go to heaven will go to heaven and i don't agree with a lot of their theology however what I do have them to thank for is they basically, the premise of their course was if you feel tempted to eat food when you're not hungry, ask God to help you. And for me, growing up in the church where it was all about like, you know, read your Bible more, do this more, mm-hmm. duty, to suddenly realize, oh my gosh, God loves me so much. He's interested in every aspect of my life, even the minute details of whether I'm going to eat chocolate or not. That was a massive eye opener for me and actually is the turning point in my relationship with God and my faith and taking me to where I am today. Um, wow. And I did lose some weight and then I, they wanted me to be a mentor and I had to go and agree with their theology and I didn't, so I left. Then I put a whole lot of weight back on again and then yo-yoed up and down and I'm now the thinnest I've ever been because I went vegan and I like doing kettlebells and boxing. Um, but that's another story again. <laughs> that's, that's, um, that's, Bible, that's Bible weight loss for you. I was just fascinated there so taking it off track slightly but yeah you learn something every day don't you yes but it also maintains though actually it ties in with what I talk about whether with with Guia having people be the people that they were designed to be because it proves to me that God meets people where they're at and so that was what I needed in that moment my mum read it had the book version of that course and absolutely hated it it wasn't what she wanted and so the fact that we're not robots we're not we are yes we're made of the same basic building blocks but we are uniquely individuals and you know God will meet God does and will meet people where they're at is my takeaway from it all as well um 
so yeah and I find it fascinating every time I hear stories of how people came to know God you know you you hear of Muslims in places in the world where it's dangerous to be a Christian and he he comes to them in their dreams and stuff it's just like Jesus does and it's just absolutely astounding to me yeah it's fascinating and um I, I really I am really fascinated by the whole topic because a while ago as well um I put out something on my social media about just a faith in general, like as a generic kind of, you know, word really. And yeah, also yeah. about hope. And I was really interested because I've, I've talked a lot up until recently about um, hope as well. And I was really interested to read um, mm. some of the responses. And this is what drew me back to um, the conversation with you really about, I thought, oh, mm. who, who will come on the podcast and talk about that? And I knew <laughs> automatically... Um, talking about getting that, you know, that response um, yeah. regard, I automatically knew who it was going to be. So, <laughs> I, I um, yeah, I really want to kind of just explore that with you for a, a little while because I'm just really interested to hear your take on this as well about about faith and hope. And I know you've got some mm. really interesting kind of um, views and things to add to this as well, particularly from you know the the, the kind of in the biblical sense as well and how mm. that's interpreted. So. Tell us, tell us. <laughs> you make it sound like I've got the authority on it. I remember that post and it's interesting to me because when I, from a, this, from a human perspective, I, if I hear to, oh, I hope to do this and I hope to do that, for me, the semantics of it, and I'm fascinated by language and I think language is powerful. And so I like digging into words. And so when you hear people talk about, oh, I hope to do this, I, it feels wishy-washy and loose and like, well, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that. It's all like wishing on a prayer, um, maybe it'll happen. And I know that for you, hope by contrast is a much more positive thing. And I think from the conversations that we've had, uh, and I suspect that your semantics around language around hope is much more biblical because the Bible talks about hope. Um, you know, there's one of my favorite ones is Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And yes, I did just find that while I was talking. Don't be impressed. I didn't remember off the top of my head. Just in case anybody's listening going, oh my word, oh, that's impressive. Don't be impressed. It's in front of me written down. But that bit, plans to give you hope in the future. I see hope in that context as being powerful. You know, it's not wishing on a prayer and it's action as well. People throughout the Bible, you know, if you think about the, the and I don't want to go into a big Bible study lesson with you because I know not everyone listening will be on the same journey. But with that said, if you look at the history of the overarching story of our Christian Bible, the Old Testament is looking forward to Jesus. The whole of it is all about the love story of Jesus. They had hope. They were wishing and hoping and praying and waiting for this Messiah. You know, they didn't have the benefit of us with our Jesus tinted glasses, as I call them. You know, all of their whole lives was based on something that wouldn't come to fruition for, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of years. I don't know what the maths is, probably, mm. well, yeah, 2,000 years, 3,000 years, I don't know. That talk about some hope. I mean, that's, I'm pretty impatient, I gotta be honest. Like I was reflecting yesterday, oh my gosh, it's been a year and this, that and the other. Oof. They had some hope. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think obviously semantics are very important really because it's all about how we, and I think it's like the meaning that we assign to words, isn't it, for ourselves. Yeah. And so when I've yeah. been talking about hope um, from, a, from a grief perspective, I've been hoping that, hoping, there we go, <laughs> that, um, that that really helps to, offer people some kind of um comfort maybe or some encouragement that you know there is kind of like light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a case of like if i get through this it's a case of when you get through this and i suppose that's what i'm 
kind of um, wanting to conjure up when I speak of that word. But then I yeah. haven't really given much thought to the kind of the word faith and what that might mean for people and how that might kind of mm. um, differ for people. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I think because, yeah, I, ooh, interesting. I think in that context, I see them, I think, I see, I feel faith as something that sort of grounds you. It's like, what, what, what do you put your faith in? You know, and so for me, yes, okay, that's, that, that's a divine being or whatever, but people can have faith in themselves and then they hope that as a result, you know, they will get through it. So they are, I think they are, you're right, they're different, but they're definitely connected. And as you're talking about the hope piece, it reminds me as well, like, for like the mental health stuff that we touched on as well is that when by contrast when people feel hopeless and like it's never ever going to end that's the real suffering isn't it you know it we can go through bad stuff but if we lose that sense of this is never going to end nothing is ever going to get better with feeling basically completely hopeless that's i think where it's just it becomes debilitating um and yeah. the faith piece of it i guess is that's where they need you, I guess, Louise, is when they, when people have lost that and they, cause you, there are some times in life when you just can't get yourself through it. You know, we want to, we live in an age where we think we're independent and we can do all of the things, but actually we need people. God himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God is the example of the ultimate example of community. And if he did community or does community, then why do we think that we should try and do it on our own? Yeah. And, and like, there is also this, um, this, People that will um, view faith on a, on a very, well, not view faith, but feel faith on a very mm. spiritual level as well, isn't there? So actually, you know, I've come across stories and clients and people in my community that because of their faith on a spiritual level, um, mm. for whatever reason, seems to offer them this kind of sense of kind of like, I think it's like a resilience to me almost, mm. um, that yeah. whatever comes their way, whatever gets thrown at them, that it's this mm. deep rooting kind of, faith and maybe it's tied in with beliefs as well I don't know that you mm. know um because of that spiritual aspect in their faith that they can and will and kind of do get through things um yeah. they seem to do it um I don't know if easier is the word but definitely mm. there's something different that I'm finding it hard to actually pin words to but uh, it different. sounds like you're describing a growth mindset versus the fixed mindset almost yeah. you, you know that optimism and that if you look at people the, the fixed mindset says the things are the way they are and they're never going to change versus okay well you know things are the way they are but they're not like that forever um you know that that optimism and i yeah i'd imagine that if and i think people are people are naturally one way or the other but the, all the science points to the fact that actually if you make that decision to change you don't you're not stuck with your mindset forever all the science around the plasticity of the brain fascinates me because mm. our brain can literally lay down you know new neural pathways by the way that we use it so we're not stuck anywhere unless we choose to stay there and of course choosing oh that's delightful. Sorry, my dog has just been sick on the floor. <laughs> hey, talk about optimism. Thanks, dog. Sorry. I, <laughs> anyway, uh, see, we're keeping it real here on your podcast. I shall clear that up in a minute. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the, the takeaway for people I guess really is that you're not you're not stuck there forever you can make that choice which comes back to I guess where I said I had that piece when I, after I lost the baby making that decision I didn't know it in those terms then oh, he's been sick again now oh great I've got little dots of dog <laughs> sick 
all over my carpet. Oh, delightful. Um, <laughs> but you can, they can choose. You can, and, and again, that's the support piece, isn't it? Because if you don't know how to do it, then Louise will come alongside you. It's a plug for you, Louise. Louise will help you. Follow Louise on Instagram and then go and talk to her. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, gosh, I've just got the absolute giggles now with the dark. <laughs> yes, it's lovely. Yeah. It's fine, I'll edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> or, or don't and keep it real. It makes no difference to me, really. I, you know, it, dep- I, it depends how sort of real life you want your podcast to be. Um, this is proof, though, actually, I think you should keep it in. And so if, if you listen, if you're hearing this, listeners, you'll know that Louise did. I think you should keep it in because it just goes to show that actually life is a mixed bag. And sometimes stuff happens and you can either choose to like, you know, deny it and go, oh no, woe is me, there's dog sick on my carpet. Or you can go, oh well, never mind, I'll get some stuff and clean it up afterwards. What a beautiful, <laughs> what a beautiful example your dog has just provided us with. Quite. How, how, lucky, how lucky are we? <laughs> <laughs> how lucky are you? <laughs> yeah, I know. You're going to come over to my house and help clean it up then. Thanks, Louise. <laughs> Um, no, I love that. I love everything you said there about mindset as well. And um, actually, I think that is really interesting because I know that um, you're going to have some interesting kind of words of wisdom and some tips around this to kind of share with people. And I suspect that mindset might kind of form, you know, part of that. Um, you want my top tip, I, don't you? As I mentioned do. in the briefing. I okay. Do. Well, my- my top tip comes thanks to Morag, who we both know, and I've forgotten her surname. But if you listen to this, Morag, this is, this is thanks to you. So, because I often describe myself as the irrepressible silver lining spotter, much to my, my youngest child in particular, my son, it drives him crazy. However, this is really helpful. And it was thanks to a conversation with Morag in June last year that I suddenly identified how I do it. And it's a three-word phrase. And the three-word phrase is this. Are you ready? Drum roll. Yeah. It is but at least. So if something happens, for example, the dog was sick on the carpet, oh, the dog's been sick on the carpet, but at least, and then see what your brain comes up with. Now, yes, that's a jovial example, but your brain likes to fill in the gaps. So the dog's just been sick on the carpet, but at least it's only a little bit. It is literally, I'm looking at the pile of sick now. It's really, it's about the size of yeah, two tenpence pieces. It would have been helpful if you'd been sick outside my door on the stone floor, I'd be honest with you, but c'est la vie. Um, <laughs> but, but at least, and you can use it with the caveat, of course, that when you're, because sl- I'm conscious of, our, of your audience, if you're sitting right slap bang, you've literally just lost somebody. I am not suggesting that you but at least your way to finding the silver lining and losing a parent, for example. Mm-hmm. That comes with time and it's a different whole other conversation i'm talking about day-to-day life when like niggles happen things that just get on your nerves that are a bit irritating that have the potential to derail your day because we tend to go about things you can use but at least something happens but at least and then see what your brain comes up with it will fill in the blanks and it will tweak the whole situation so for example if you were tomorrow morning you make yourself a cup of coffee um and then you spill the cup of coffee all over the floor, you've got two choices. You can go, oh, no, now that means the day is ruined. Mm. Or you go, oh, well, but at least there's only a bit of coffee. The day can only get better from here. And those two differences, I know it's semantics, I know it's just language and brain hacks, but it has the potential to completely change the way that your day unfolds. Thanks to, 
I get to mention two things actually. The reticular activating system, one of my favorite geekiest things ever. <laughs> I was wondering if that had come up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't planned for it. In the back of your brain, there's, it's, it does lots of things. It regulates temperature, blah, 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 blah. But for our purposes, it's the filter. And I know you know this, Louise, because you've heard me talk about it before. It's the reason why when you buy yourself a new car, you suddenly see cars like yours everywhere. It's the reason why if your sister tells you she's pregnant, you start seeing babies everywhere. Your brain filters in things it thinks is important. Going back to the coffee example, if you then go, oh, well, at least the day can only get better from here, your brain starts filtering in examples of your day getting better from here. That's mm -hmm. how it works. So you get the, it, it, your brain literally will change the way that you perceive the day um, thanks yeah. to the way it works. I mean, and it, it, it sounds mental as I describe it, um, but it, it actually works. I mean, I've had, I would challenge somebody listening, try it for yourself. If it doesn't work or you find it doesn't work for you, come back to me and we'll have a conversation because you might just need to tweak it. Because that's why the playground is called the playground. It's all about experimentation, trying stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my top tip for you. No, I yeah. love it. And I think that, I, I mean, I do kind of talk about that in a roundabout way with clients because I talk about um, in the mindfulness context as well, I think it's Dr. Rick Hansen that talks about how mm. ne negative things kind of stick to the brain like Velcro and then the positive yeah. stuff sort of slides off like Teflon. I think that's the example he uses and I love that because mm. what this is about, it's ultimately about flipping that really. So yes. we want more and more of that positivity and those positive experiences to kind of stick to the brain. And then yes. ultimately then the negative will kind of just slide off a little bit easier and it just becomes, yeah. and I think that yes, whilst, um, you know, somebody's grieving, um, and they've experienced loss that might not be about, um, you know, but at least, but actually mm. when we're in the midst of grief, it feels like all the other kind of normal mundane stuff suddenly becomes mm. like really hard to deal with all yeah. of that normal day-to-day -day stuff. So yeah. actually there are examples probably, like you say, in the day-to-day -day stuff where we mm. could be using that. And yeah. I think it just freeze up our capacity then just to also focus on the important stuff and focus on you know the grief or what we need to do to to get through yeah. that you know so i can Absolutely. see actually how that would be really really helpful good yay that's encouraging and did you hear <laughs> did you hear speaking of like you know keeping it real my dog was having a right old bark yes i could i could hear him i was glad that i had my headphones in because whenever my two hear other dogs barking they then decide to join in too and we, i'm just very thankful because there's a guy who one of my doggy friends has a great big blonde golden retriever i guess golden retrievers are always blonde but whatever he, he walks up our street he's huge he barks really loudly just on our street to announce himself which sets these two off so i'm quite glad the timing of it that gordon and dexter gordon's the man dexter's the dog um that they're fine. i shall tell him actually that he gets a shout out in this episode i encourage him to listen to it um if he does hey gordon um, <laughs> i haven't got to talk to anybody for days now have i all these shout outs but no i so i'm just glad and thankful and but at least the dog isn't walking up the street making lots of noise and winding my two up <laughs> i suspect it's um ben's probably barking at the post lady but Thank you so much, Al. It's been an absolute joy to speak to you. It always oh, it's been my is. pleasure. Um, you just uh, like just give me that lovely little happiness boost. Oh yay! That well, that everybody needs. Happy. Oh so, yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs>
podcast episode, please give it a like, show it some love and share. You can get ahead of new podcast episodes by following Life Beyond Lost, the podcast over on Stitcher FM, Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud. Or you can also find the back catalogue of Life Beyond Lost, the podcast over on www.louisecresic.com.